Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It is the Better Up Podcast, the, I believe, 19th edition, and in our constant effort to try and have an episode that is cheery, that is good-sounding, that is optimistic, we thought basically 24 hours ago it was going to be. Braves were on a winning streak, everything was going well, they were in first place, and then Tuesday or Monday night's game happened. And everything now has a different tinge to it. Will Palancha, Caleb Johnson, Joe Patrick. We say hello to our cohorts. Hello, Joseph. Hey, Will. Hey, how's it going? Hello, Caleb. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys sound just like the broadcast sounded last night. It sounded like an obituary, unfortunately, last night for the Braves. And we all know why. Mike Soroka goes down in the third inning with what was reported after the game uh, from Brian Snitker as a torn Achilles tendon. He's done for the season. Many believe that his 2021 start uh, could also be compromised. Uh, a crushing blow to any optimistic chances the Braves had this season. I start with you, Joe, in the fact that you know, this is something that really was kind of the last thing that Braves fans wanted to see, especially after all the pitching woes we've had to start the year. Well, that's exactly it, right? You were already down to a point where you were really relying on Mike Soroka and Max Fried, both of those guys, to lead a rotation. And they were they're two young guys that are still learning the ropes. And so they were already in a difficult situation as it was, despite the fact that they're very talented and they have the capability to do it. Um, it was already going to be a struggle. And the Braves, you could see that uh, when we talked to Brian Snicker about the question marks that existed in the three through five spots, you could tell that it was something that was definitely concerning to them. And now you're pushing those three through five question marks up into the two through four, and you got to find another starting pitcher when starting pitching is already so hard to come by in a season like this, where everybody's kind of in contention, the playoffs are expanded and everybody needs pitching that can go multiple arms so starting pitching is going to be at a premium it is just you can't really imagine a, a worse situation for the Braves to be in I was I was I wrote a column that published last night just talking about who could replace him we'll get into it today but it's like you if you were to have asked a Braves fan what their worst like nightmare was I don't know if they could have been as creative as to come up with a scenario where Brian Snickers helping Mike Soroka off the field. It was just kind of like, it was stuff out of nightmares, truly, last night. And the Braves, Caleb, had really dodged this bullet to this point of the season. Yeah, they haven't had effective pitching, but 
if you look around baseball, the injury bug has crept up because of the slow ramp up to the season. That wasn't the reason that Mike Soroka tore his Achilles. That's more of a freak thing, but it has to be something that I think people think of the fact that, you know, they had dodged this injury bullet at this point, but unfortunately they couldn't any longer here, unfortunately. Well, that was like, that's what's so frustrating about this is because to start the season, the Braves have not COVID issues, but COVID related issues where they don't have a catcher. So they've got to go down to their minor leagues and, and find Contreras and find Jackson. They managed to put that together. You've even just a couple of days ago, you had what what could possibly be an issue with Ozzy Albies having a wrist problem, and he's got to sit out. So Melanson had a back issue. Yeah, too. yeah, Melanson's got a back issue that, that where his back locked up, and I was like, "Geez, how old is this guy? Like, what are we, what are we dealing with?" <laughs> uh, and so you you hurdle, you get all, you get over all of these hurdles. And it's like, okay, well, the Braves are still figuring out ways to win. Meanwhile, their their opponent in this series, specifically the Mets, just seem to be falling completely apart. And you just you get that optimism, even though when you know in the back of your mind, it's like outside of Mike Soroka and Max Fried, the Braves are piecing this together, but they're somehow figuring out how to do it. And then, yeah, you you blow up one half of that tandem and and now you're just left with looking around and being like, well, let's let's uh come on guys, let's go out there and have fun, all right? It's uh obviously the biggest question on people's minds now. What does this do to the Braves chances in 2020 and can the Braves still contend? I'm of the opinion that the 2020 postseason format is forgiving enough to where the Braves can still finish in the top two of this division or even in the wild card just based on who else they're going up against. Look, I, I think we got a very good look at what the New York Mets are and what the New York Mets aren't. I, I don't see them as a contender for them in this division. I think there's too many holes there. I think that you're going to have an advantage over a team like the Marlins. I think the Phillies are de already dealing from behind because of the fact that they've had some games postponed. And I also am not necessarily sold on the Nationals being that much markedly better than the Braves. I do believe this lineup is going to carry them still. I still think it's the second longest lineup in the National League behind the, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I also believe in Alex Anthopoulos. You think about the remake of the bullpen he did last year. We were talking about A.J. Minter and Arodes Vizcaino in April last year as part of a bullpen that now includes three of the four top closers in baseball all on one staff. Uh, I'm not saying you have to go out and get somebody on the level of a Clayton Kershaw or what Madison Bumgarner was before this year. But there are going to be people out there. I mean, you think about Mike Clevenger in Cleveland. You think about some of the other guys and other teams who might be looking to try and sell from their surplus. Joe, this is far from over. And you could also make the argument that they were going to need to go out and get an arm anyway. This just cinches it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I know that our boss, Mike Conti, has been on Twitter and getting some heat from some people today saying because he came out and said that he doesn't think that you know, it's all over for the Braves. And I do actually agree with that to an extent in terms of just making the playoffs. I definitely think that the Braves can still, there's still an avenue for them to get there. Uh, 
I do think that obviously your expectations as a Braves fan have to come down at this point in terms of what you wanted to achieve at the end of this season, which was, of course, nobody was going to be satisfied this year with just making the playoffs. Everybody knows that the Braves have this, you know, hurdle they need to clear in terms of winning a postseason series that they haven't been able to do in forever. And now that is looking more unrealistic. But I do think that, you know, it is true, you know, as they say, you make the playoffs, anything can happen, things like that. Um, it will be interesting to see how this Braves rotation comes together. And I do think that Alex Anthopoulos, like you said, he will have his work cut out for him. And I will be interested to see how it develops with the Braves and other teams because the Braves are not the only ones dealing with injury problems right now. There's injuries running rampant throughout baseball, which is probably probably due in part to the fact that the season, the run up, the summer camp was so short and so much well, so much shorter than players are typically used to. Um, but I do think it'll be interesting to see how aggressive teams are willing to be in a season like this. Again, it goes back to a conversation that we had in the in the original spring training talking about how um, how aggressive teams would be in the trade market. How willing would they be to give up pieces for a championship in a season like this? Or would they want to just hold on to their cards for next year? I think it'll be very telling to see what moves the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos make. And obviously the trade deadline we're <laughs> we're coming up on it. It's not, it's not too far away. You know, it's, it's, it's not too far away. So um, it will be interesting to see. And they, and we're going to find out so much about this rotation just in the next week, two weeks. Like, you know, all these games are so valuable. There's so little time. And these guys, we're going to see them, new guys step in and make starts. Tuki Toussaint's going to continue to get starts. Kyle Wright's going to continue to get starts. And there's that's not to say that there won't be even more starting opportunities available if some of those guys falter. Yeah, that second wave, Caleb, that we've talked about, you know, with Davidson and Weigel and, and the guys who are unproven. You know, we haven't seen Bryce Wilson yet. I think those of us uh, who seen him before thankful of that but <laughs> I also think <laughs> I also think though too like this is something where Alex Anthopoulos wasn't shy about the fact that they were going to have to be aggressive if they wanted to win like there was always going to be a need and I know I said earlier they haven't been necessarily hit with the injury bug but they still haven't seen Cole Hamels yet we might not see him until September if at all but that's somebody who's going to be a part of your rotation possibly going forward and if you add him along with another arm that comes from outside this organization I don't feel I mean I you you don't feel as good as you did when you had Soroka but I don't know if you feel any worse does that make any sense sure (laughs) I think it's one of those at we're we're now at a point where Alex Anthopoulos is going to have to weigh at what cost is it worth to go get somebody because what are what are you going to have to get up? We are, you know, as every ad that you see on, on TV, we're in unprecedented times. And that's that's definitely true <laughs> this season that we are in unprecedented times. So what value are you going to have to get up, give up in order to go get an arm? Are you going to have to give up uh, an everyday player like an Ender Enciarte kind of deal? Are you going to have to give up one of your top prospects? I don't think... You touch Pache, so are you going to go give up, you know, Waters? Um, like, what What are you willing to do? I don't think any of those things, I don't think any of those options are on the table. I think, it. you know, when, when Alex is talking about dealing for somebody, I think we're dealing with cash considerations or low prospects. I just, I don't see the willingness to give up so much in this shortened season when... 
you know, like you're you add one pitcher right now and you're still trying to figure out three. So it just I don't know. It, it's one of those. It's it, it almost seems like such an impossible task. And like as as a Braves fan, it makes you kind of be like, well, let's at least enjoy the season and like have fun, you know, enjoy it while we're here kind of deal. If there is, I will say, if there is any optimism for how the season could turn out, I was I was trying to rack my brain, and so I went year by year of teams that made the World Series in like the in the last few years. And recently, you go down the list, and you're like, oh man, they had pitching studs, they had pitching studs, they had pitching studs. If you go all the way back to 2011 to the Texas Rangers and a team that Ron yeah. Washington managed. Interesting enough, you know, you make those little connections here or there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're starting five as far as their starting pitchers. Wasn't impressive. No, we're talking mm-hmm. C.J. Wilson. <clears throat> excuse me. C.J. Wilson, Colby Lewis, Derek Holland, Matt Harrison, Alexi Ogando. Like, <laughs> no one we're even remotely talking about 10 years later. You know, so... Yeah. Like, it, it's one of those, it's possible... <laughs> Yeah, you can make a run. It's easy to make a run, though. I, I'm I have two thoughts. I I've never been a pitching development guy. I've always been somebody who is like, you want to build your franchise around young hitters, and you want somebody else to develop your pitching. Now, if you get a, a gem prospect like a Soroka, that's great. I'm not saying that that's not good, but I'm saying that for the most part, like if you try to build your franchise like some of these franchises like the Mets, the Cubs of uh, the 2000s when they had Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, like trying to develop your own pitching is incredibly difficult for a winning franchise because you're inevitably going to have injuries, whether it's a Tommy John, whether it's a freak thing like this. So I always feel like, again, you know, you use your young hitters to try and go out and get pitchers. And number two, as someone who's familiar with the way the Braves think, I know that their utopian outfield consists one day of having Pache, Waters and Acuna in one outfield. I just don't think that's realistic given no, the need that you're not. going to have. And I feel like you're going to have to make a choice between one of those two guys in Pache and Waters. And I feel like the choice is Pache. And if you feel like you can make a deal where you send Waters away to get a frontline starter, I think you have to do it, especially if you feel like your team is primed to win in 2020. Yeah, especially because of the situation the Braves find themselves in now where you've got uh, uh, Mike Soroka injured with an injury that will likely take him into next season through a good portion of it. Because it feels like we're in the beginning of this season and we are in in terms of a game standpoint, but it is what early August here and an Achilles tear is traditionally one that takes pretty much a full year-ish or maybe maybe a little bit short of a year to come back from but and you never quite know exactly what kind of performance you get on the other side of it at least in the in the near term when when the return happens from injury so it will be interesting to see I do think that it would make sense for them for that reason especially to go out and get a guy who's locked down to several years on a contract who is a proven entity uh, in this league Soroka was talking about how difficult it was he was talking the other day about Kyle Wright Tuki Toussaint some of these guys who are coming in trying to pitch he said, quote, it's kind of a tough thing to break in with a really good team because you're expecting wins every night and you need to find those wins or the team is going to look elsewhere. Now, fortunately for the Braves and some of these young guys, 
there aren't really other options for the Braves to turn to for too many of them. So some of them are going to just continue to get run out there. And Brian Snicker says that, um, you listen, they're going to go out there and we're going to continue to run them out there. So I don't, I don't get the, get the feeling that a guy like Kyle Wright is really in a position to lose his spot necessarily. But I do think that obviously there's a opening for a frontline starting pitcher on this, on this staff, uh, for, the rest of this year, obviously, and going into next year, when especially you have to replace a guy like Cole Hamels, who's not going to be here uh, either. And let me clarify: I don't want to give up Waters for a rental guy, like somebody who's only here for sure. this season. You can't. That's, that's not. You can't. That's do not that. something that's responsible. I'm not saying that that it is, but if you have somebody that either has years of control or years on his contract, or that you feel confident you can resign, and by confident I mean like you're signing the deal as you're making the trade. <laughs> Like that's the thing that I'm looking for if if you give up a Drew Waters in that sense, but I do feel like too that it's I would say it's again given the way that Alex Anthopoulos has spoken about this season, I I just feel like it's impossible to expect that this is the rotation we're going to wake up with on September the first. Is it? I mean, am I am I crazy here? No, that's what I'm saying. I think he's going to make a move. I just. I don't know. I'm not totally convinced that you go make uh, um, um, a blockbuster. Yeah. You know, for uh, unless you're, I guess, kind of as Joe's, you know, as as Joe was talking, I'm kind of being convinced a little bit of the idea of of locking, uh, of going out and getting someone that you're going to have for two, three years like that. Okay, that would make some sense. I don't know if that's going to be available right now with, you know, with what teams are willing to do and also then I'm still left going once you make a move for one pitcher there is no like it is not like that shirred up your your rotation right that, yeah that yeah. just you still have three questions yeah marks. that slapped yeah. a band-aid on things and I think it is true that like I feel no young pitcher from the brave staff is going to be gone based on their performance this season like faulty Fulty was a whole thing where this was the last straw for a lot of these guys like Kyle Wright who have come in and look, he looked solid for four innings and then a fifth inning was rough. Like those things I think are going to happen as you're holding blocks. Yeah. As you're stretching guys out like that's that's kind of a different idea than 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 Fulty was where it just like it never looked good from the start. Uh, and and then uh, that also means we're going to have to deal with guys getting out there and having stressful inning after stressful inning like we saw Tukey have the other night. So it's just mm. it's one of those, uh, man, the 60 game season is going to feel really long by the time we're done. Like with with all of these little things happening, it's just. uh <sighs> Well, there's a there's a lot that could happen, obviously, in the trade market. Um, I think, again, we'll find out a lot more about this very quickly over these next couple of weeks here. But I think um, we should start looking at like who who will Brian Snicker actually turn to? Like they got to find somebody within the organization that can pitch in five days. And I, I increasingly think it's going to be Josh Tomlin. Uh, Brian Snicker is just the, his his biggest fan. Um, I'm going to give a quote after Saturday's win. He said, he's something else, man. He saved our rears all last year. He competes. He's so efficient. He's a great guy to have down there, that's for sure, talking about him in the bullpen. I like him in jams coming in and facing the heart of the order. You hate to see... 
use him up only in the long roll just because he can cover innings because he can be so valuable in high leverage situations also in the middle of a game. He can close a game. He can do anything, really. So I think that Brian Snicker is probably going to turn to Josh Tomlin because of how much he likes him, how much he uh, has trust in him starting off a game facing the top of the the top of an order. He's got the starting experience before and Brian Snicker knows how versatile he is and how he's not going to lose you a game. Like he's going to, he's going to throw strikes. The, the opposition is going to put the ball in play. And I think the Braves will trust their defense. They've had one of the better defenses in the league over these last couple of years. In fact, the Braves have actually, if you look at the advanced metrics on the, uh, on the defensive numbers, the Braves and Brian Snicker, especially since Brian Snicker has taken over as manager, uh, do very well in terms of their positioning and terms of, I, I forget the what the exact metric is called for it, but they can essentially determine how well players are positioned in the field. Defensive like run saved? Yeah, def- yeah, something like that. I, was, yeah. I have to imagine Acuna and center is, is uh, not ideal. <laughs> no. Not, no, not ideal. <laughs> by the, not by ideal. the metrics. Uh, and he also, <laughs> well, that's why, by the optics, he gives you a heart attack. But <laughs> well, that's why I don't like trading Inciarte until until Pache is ready to go. I, I mean, like, that's I don't like trading that's anybody part of it. because <laughs> yeah. Well, that's again th- this th- there's there's a lot of variables here. I'm not saying there aren't, and one of those variables too is you know playing out the rest of this month. I think there's no question the Braves are going to have to kind of tread water here for the month of August, like. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a scenario where you feel out which teams feel like they're going to contend and which teams feel like their season is over. I feel like the Braves have built up enough of a cushion. And the other part of this is is that and and it's an unfortunate side effect. We really don't know how good the Braves are. Like the Braves have played 7 games against the New York Mets, who I think you all all three of us can agree <laughs> Not exactly the best litmus test of this season. They played four games against the Rays, a good baseball team, and they split. Well, so here, and here's the we're going to learn a lot more about this it's team. Crazy. Over the course it's of crazy the, next the month. Braves have only played two games right now, yeah. or played against two teams. Yeah, but here's the problem, Will, is that they're about to go play the Blue Jays, who haven't played in days, and the last win they have was over a week ago. So it's it's not even like when they get to face the Blue Jays, who they've had this whole weird situation because they were set to play the Phillies, and that series got canceled. So <laughs> I don't know that we'll know any better because they're gonna they're gonna be a little you know uh, what stale, whatever shaken, wanna, yeah. yeah, whatever you want to call it, just from just from them having not played in in a while. Yeah. Definitely out of their routines. And and I will with baseball players, they are so into their routines. Yeah. Something like that can really throw some of those guys off. Well, if you think about the next four teams the Braves play, they have three with Toronto, three with Philly, two with the Yankees, and three with the Marlins. All teams who have had issues when it comes mm-hmm. to playing games here. Recently. Well, I was about to say, you know, it, it, issues. It, the Yankees have had no issues besides not playing games. It, yeah. It's, yeah, seriously. Uh they look amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be difficult. Those two games <laughs> in New York uh, on the 11th and 12th, you're going to get to see basically the Yankees uh, four times this month, twice in New York, twice here. I don't, that I don't know how the probably your biggest that, – that's, that's your biggest uh, gap here when it comes to your competition you're going to play. Now, it's good that you get it split up. And not in these like four game split series situations. It's good that that's split up, so you only get uh, a small dose, two games apiece. If you can split your games with the Yankees, I think you're in good shape. 
I just hope that rotation never comes around to Garrett Cole when the Braves are playing. <laughs> like, can we just? Well, I also wonder too. Like, that? like does Brian Snitker kind of finick with the rotation a little bit too? Like, you would in a playoff series where you you might like hold Max Freed back for a series like that and say, hey, you know, maybe instead of throwing him in the last game against the Phillies, you give him an extra day and he pitches game one against New York. Like, I think those are the kind of moves we're going to see managers make as we get closer and closer to September, no? I, would, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, I think even, you know, we're seeing a lot of that kind of postseason-y type of management, both in the setup of the rotation, things like that, and, you know, in-game, too, as well. Uh, just being more urgent about the situation in general and, and trying to, you know, collect any win you can get. It's going to be so important for these teams. Well, every game is worth, what, 2.7 games? Yeah. So it's yeah. it's one yeah. of those, I I think you you should manage that way. I think it will be interesting to see how it is done, whether or not those those kinds of things will be considered, because... I mean, the the one problem we're we're working with, and I think it's the bigger issue of injuries than the shortened, uh, you know, summer camp, whatever, is playing every day. Like you see it in other leagues where the NBA, you know, they they kind of changed around their schedule before the bubble, obviously, to where they weren't having to play so many back to back games and the Braves are going 20 straight. <laughs> it's just like this is. Yeah, this is a recipe for for things to go wrong. Um and just, you know, I don't know. It it makes me kind of question cuz cuz Neil Don't the, Eeyore. Huh? Don't Eeyore I, I'm me sorry. now. I'm sorry. I'll I'll try to stay away. It just it, it makes me question the whole thing and um not the legitimacy, but whether this was a good idea and we still as a group have not touched any of the stuff of you know whether it's the Cardinals, the Cardinals or the Phillies yeah. coming up with coming up with cases, and I hope we're going to be okay. <laughs> Still pretty amazing to me on that note about the Braves catchers who just like happened to get sick, never tested positive for for COVID nineteen, both both back and both seeming to be healthy and and how about Travis Darno? Like, Travis, like, yeah. Travis Darno is like one of those like magical powers things apparently. Yep. <laughs> well, it's again the, here's the thing with him is that he's again. He's never been healthy for a yeah. full season, and when he's played, he's been incredibly solid, especially offensively. Like that's something where I, I, I'm, I'm marveling at the fact that that they've found something with him. And again, it's the the reason why he's bounced around so many times is because he can't stay on the field. It has nothing to do with what he does when he's on the field. It's everything to do with the fact that you can't keep him on the field. Yeah, his numbers ticked up the second half of last year, and I think that that was just a classic, really sneaky smart acquisition by Alex Anthopoulos. He's so good at making those kinds of moves, like working in that kind of area of the market, that kind of price range of player. Uh, he's just very, very good. He's also very good at picking up guys toward the ends of spring trainings off of waivers and things like that. A guy like a Matt Joyce, uh, or I'm sorry, Matt Joyce was last year. Um, uh, Matt Adams. Yes. Just a nice little acquisition good good piece been a solid player not not necessarily giving you anything extraordinary but he's come through with some some clutch hits it's so funny matt adams is one of those guys who you know they brought him in last second and i had been going on about no i think the braves are gonna just try a few different things maybe him at dh and get some different guys in there and it was like nope it's pretty much it's gonna be matt adams and 
when it's not Matt Adams, it's because Adams is playing at first base because Freddie's DHing, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, so Fine almost every day so that really was just straightforward. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of Ozuna at DH because of how adventurous his time in left field has been. Last <laughs> night was interesting. <laughs> don't hey, you just guys saying? don't you guys don't like that six it was inch like back vertical? To back. <laughs> The George Costanza like, vertical is what yeah, that is. Yeah. And that was like me playing outfield and road to the show where it's just like <laughs> the ball, like you're just like <laughs> the ball goes off your glove and then you're like lackadaisically like chase it down to the wall. And well, not, not lackadaisically like he's not giving effort, but that's just like how fast he moves. Well, will, will that change with Mark is back? Like I, I feel cakes. No, I love cakes. <laughs> I love cakes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I would hope that they would want to try to get Ozuna off the field as much as they can because he's been. I mean, he's been amazing with his bat at the plate. Incredible, he's been like one of the Braves' saving graces, especially in those first or those really early games. Um, but yeah, I would like to see anybody out there in the outfield. Well, the weird thing too, Ozuna. and you saw this with Freddie. It it takes a special type of person to dh yeah like, well because the broadcast like it's not i think we underrated that yeah the broadcasters were definitely harping on the fact that you're not a part of the game you know you you know it was almost this idea that you just don't even know what's going on until you walk out there and um yeah <laughs> almost feel like you go down to the cage and hit a little bit more that's kind of what i think guys have done is like they go down to the the cage below the the field mm -hmm. and hit, just hit so you just keep yourself somewhat locked in are are guys doing that right now with all of the safety protocols? Like, are, are they closing off the cages during game time? Like, I don't, I don't, I honestly, I would don't think know. they would be able to go and like yeah. hit off a tee or something. Yeah, hit least. off a tee. I mean, I feel like too. Like, I've I've heard of guys going back and you know looking at the iPad and seeing, okay, this is what I did. Like, that's not something you can do all the time in game if you are having to go back in the field. And I think. You know, it, it takes a special person to prioritize your time as a DH, and it's just not something that we're used to watching as a National League city. Well, and it is one of those issues. Like, this has been Freddie Freeman's, like, his Achilles heel, um, for a lack of better timing and words, uh, that he, like, he needs to be really involved in the game to get every aspect of, of his game going. Uh, and it, and it seems like maybe this, you know, cause I get why Snit's doing it. Like he wants him to rest, but at the same time, is it that strenuous, dare I say for him to be at first for playing first base? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always liked the idea of getting Freeman as much rest as possible because he's notorious for wanting to insert himself in the lineup and not wanting to take that rest when I feel like. He would be better off if he did take it. I thought it was funny. He had joked after I think it was that game, one of those games against the Rays. That was that was his first night DHing. And, yeah, um, he grabbed a left or right-handed bat instead of a left-handed yeah, bat. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> he was using a right-handed bat. He said, and he was like, and uh, he struck out four times that night. And uh, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not DHing again. And so later, I think it was like the next day in pregame. Um, uh, media or something with snicker somebody mentioned like hey uh freddie said he's not dhing anymore because of that night last night and i don't know if snicker uh quite picked up on like the facetiousness of it yeah. he was like oh if i put his ass in and in, in <laughs> he's gonna dh like 
We'll tell but, Brian. Okay, would it be more productive just based on the struggles that he has seen at times, especially DHing? Would he not be just better off resting him completely and having him as a pinch hit situation? Maybe I think DH is fine. I don't think you can really afford, honestly, to lose his to lose his bat completely for a game. I I would. Yeah, the threat of no, him. I have even, no problem DHing him. Yeah, the threat of him, I think, is as much of a of a power to you as it is just anything, because of the fact that he can still walk for you. He can still yeah. be on base, and I think his his presence in front of a guy like Ozuna has had the kind of effect like it had on Josh Donaldson last year. I yep. think I think we've reached our time, gentlemen. Wait, guys, I got bre- I got breaking news. Hey, whoa, really good news, guys. Will Smith threw a live batting practice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. Look at you, Paul Bird. Uh, Look at you, Paul Bird. I was re- uh, that's twice now. That is that is for sure twice now. Because I was like, oh snap, we uh we got somebody. Nope. no, nope. not cool. Cool, not cool, 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 cool. That's uh, not very cool. Uh, be sure to look us up on Twitter at Willie P Style, at JA Patrick 200, aka Paul Bird 2.0, and uh, at ATL Johnson 18. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Batter Up Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, download the radio.com app and access it there. For Joe Patrick, Caleb Johnson, I'm Willie P. Will Pelagic saying thanks for listening to Batter Up, a radio.com and 929 The Game exclusive. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.